Welcome to Semper Sometimes with Benny. So uh, I have a an old friend uh, with us today. I've been I've known him probably since like 2011, I think. Um, yeah. I, I I met him met you as a uh, as a poolie. Now now you're what a sergeant? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man, it's crazy. Um, but you know, somebody that I I've known for so long and, and someone that I was close friends with for a long time. Uh, but then you, you know, you changed one active duty and then kind of went your, you know, to a separate path. Um, so I guess well, without further ado, I'm just going to, you know, go ahead and, and introduce you um, as Bruns um, and uh, kind of just go from there, man. So um, if you can just kind of introduce yourself, who you are, where you're from and uh, why you just, you know, why did you decide to join the Marine Corps? And uh, I guess we can kind of go from there. Yeah, no problem. So uh, I'm Sergeant Bruns, originally from uh, Freehold, New Jersey is my hometown. Um, like a lot of the guys you've had on the podcast that I've heard before, I'm also a Colts Night guy. So I grew up around uh, ROTC and all that. And uh, we met in 2011 when I first decided to become a pulley. So, um, you know, when I first start, well, I guess the Marine Corps kind of came into my life um, I had an uncle, my uncle Tim, he graduated from the Naval Academy. And I just remember like, I remember I went to go visit him at Pendleton as a kid. And, um, and I haven't actually been back since I was like six years old, but I still remember it. And uh, I remember going to visit him at Quantico and just like I was enamored by it, like him coming home in his uniform when I would go and visit him. And I always thought it was so cool. And then, um, I guess, like, I got used to wearing a uniform at a young age, even, like, going through Cub Scouts and Boy Scouts. And then going from there, like, I was kind of in love with the whole military idea. So then I went to Colts Neck High School for their ROTC program, and I made a bunch of friends there. And um, I was, like, heavily involved with that program. Uh, and I graduated that in 2011. And then um, <clears throat> my mom was, I told my mom I wanted to join the Marine Corps and she was way against it. You know what I mean? And mm -hmm. she really, she was like, that's fine, but I want you to become an officer, blah, blah, blah. You should go do school. So by this point, I was already talking to a recruiter and I actually, um, a certain uh, RSS commander it was staff sergeant uh his last name begins with a t i won't say his name but i think <laughs> i remember him. him oh i remember yeah. him yep, yep. yeah so uh you were on ra at the time and i remember yeah. i first met you and i and i got there with my boy matt o'connor and uh mike schwank recently joined as well yeah um, and and a couple of other guys from colts neck that i knew very well especially me and my boy uh roger mm -hmm. um so, you know, I, I started talking to a uh, good old Sergeant Bo, and I'm, doesn't mind me saying his name. I haven't heard from him in forever. Yeah. But um, then I, my mom kind of convinced me, like, hey, you should just really just try community college for a semester, see how you like it. And then I had to go up to that certain staff sergeant. I was like, hey, man, like, I'm not ready yet. And I remember he looked me in my face and said, uh, you'll never be a Marine. <laughs> and uh, that stuck with me. And I was like, man, 
I'm, I'm going to prove that fucking guy wrong. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. So then I did community college at Brookdale for a year, which was actually a really good experience because, um, you know, I'll go, I'll get into this later in my story, but I, I, I have no regrets. Um, I, I don't wish I joined the Marine Corps earlier. I think that extra year of being at home really put things into perspective and then I did really well my first semester of Brookdale, and then I went for my second. But that whole Marine Corps thing was still in the back of my mind, and it was like, I don't know, man. It was like, I don't know, maybe June. I, I mm-hmm. started talking to the recruiter of June of 2011, mm-hmm. and then um, October of 2011, I actually signed the contract to ship. And I had a... I had a long wait period between uh, signing my contract and shipping. So then me and my buddy, uh, Roger, we enlisted together in the buddy program and we shipped uh, June 3rd, 2012. And I oh, remember wow. getting picked up by uh, Sergeant Hernandez and Sergeant Bowen, two good guys. Right there. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. And they dropped us off in Brooklyn and then we, then we shipped to the Marine Corps uh, to Paris Island. Um, nice. Were you with Were you with Roger through boot camp? Yeah. So it was funny. So we actually got split up between platoons, but then uh, and I've known Roger forever. We we became friends in high school. I actually knew him before he even spoke English, which was crazy. Oh I met wow! Him. We became friends when he only spoke Spanish, and then oh uh, wow! I just remember like I forget. I think he was like interested in joining the Marine Corps, and we were friends and stuff. So then like. I met him at the RSS and like, then we started like doing the whole pool Lee thing together. But then shortly after, uh, you know, we obviously went to boot camp together. So then, you know, rewinding back, we got split up in boot camp. We were in separate, separate platoons. And, uh, I guess in his platoon, like anyone, like they shouted, like, are any of you bitches part of the, uh, program and he like raised his hand and then came over to my platoon so then we went it was cool because we were able to go through it together it was oh, like good little support systems yeah so i mean pretty much my mine and his story is gonna stay pretty much the same all the way up until we get to our first unit so then after we graduate um we go back on boot leave and then we go to mct together i graduated mct uh October of 2012 um and then we go to job school like at uh MOS school at Camp Johnson to become a motor team mechanic um and we were there for a while because we were there during our uh holiday like during the holiday season or whatever we had to leave in 90 so it kind of turned our three-month school into a two-month school because they forced us to take leave so we did MOS school in February of 2013, and then I got home, and uh, I got to my reserve unit at Red Bank at a CLB 25, and um, the first thing they asked me when I checked in was, do I want to come on ADOS? They asked me and Roger, because we were both PFCs less than... 15 miles away from the unit mm-hmm. um, and we had reliable cars so and I guess they wanted people to work on the um, you know work on all the trucks there which 
and we both were motivated as fuck. And, yeah, you were. Uh, yeah, me and him were both like super fucking motivated, and we were down. So I remember going to AT that year, and then our order started like a month after AT, and I was on ADOS for probably like two years. I was on yeah. both ADOS, and that was a good time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess like, you know, like ADOS is a good thing if you have a motivated reservist who just got off of um, MOS school and go active duty. It's a really good, um, it's a really good opportunity for yeah. people who, um, especially like setting up your career. Like when I went ADOS, like it gave me kind of my sea legs as I was in, and I to Lance Corporal while I was on ADOS. So my first two years at the reserve unit, I was essentially active duty. And it was a good experience because I had to work through things myself. And especially like the INI staff there at the time, you know, and Polish Gunny who will, <laughs> will be, he was a staff sergeant at the time and, um, and a sergeant. Um, <laughs> they really, you know, took me and uh, Roger under their wing. And, um, you know, like really showed us the ropes and stuff. So after those two years, it was a really good two years. I was making a ton of money. I didn't have to pay my parents rent. And I thank them for that all the time because I was able yeah. to save so much. It was, it was crazy. Um, you yeah. know, I, I never thought I'd be making that money as a 19-year-old kid. Yeah. Getting BAH and stuff, you know. Yeah. Yeah, man. So And it's – and yeah, it's sure. I'm glad – I'm glad you brought that up, right? Um, because a lot of people don't understand, you know, and the reason why I wanted to have you on um, is because you're one of the only people that I know closely that's done, you know, the reserve to active duty, um, you know, so which something that we can talk about. But a lot of people don't understand, you know, the opportunities that reservists have. Um, yeah. So, for instance, like yourself, you know, you were able to go on ADOS. Um, for those of you who don't know, ADOS is just active duty um for a extended amount of time so it could be anywhere from 30 days to a month to two months yeah. to however long the unit has their funds for so they'll allocate right. you a certain amount of money for a certain amount of time and then in his case um you were able to actually do that for an an allotment of two years but it wasn't two years straight it was just no. you know you got like so, three months here four months here or whatever it was due to so the, the amount of money they had right so the way they did it was so the ADOS funding is best explained by this. So it comes from a certain pot of money. That pot of money comes from the reg. So after regiment gives them like certain battalions, the allocations, the battalion will um, disperse that among the company. So H&S gets first grabs usually. I mean, if you have a good battalion, they'll give it evenly as as needed or, you know, just best as needed to each company because mm. certain companies don't really have much going on to be honest and especially like yeah on my side but well and at the time HSS, and at the time you were working for the headquarters element so that's why they correct. needed you guys there yeah and and we had a massive motor pool for reserve unit like we had yeah. for two ini for an ini sergeant and a staff sergeant there were over 70 pieces of rolling stock so they like actually did somebody to maintain those you know, that equipment. 
And that's the thing that I don't get is because that same amount of equipment is still there, but yeah. they don't, and they and they still constantly have two people on and off rotation. So it's such a weird thing. Um, yeah, but, but, but it, thankfully they've kept the ADOS for a long time, so it's made a mm-hmm. huge difference. And and I'll get into that like later in my story of like how much of a difference it made, and like mm-hmm. how how happy the INI staff is when they have that. And I, and that's, and that's going to be repeated like in my story multiple times, <laughs> you know? What so I mean? what, like, so what was next for you um, after that? Like, how did you go, you know, how did you augment to active duty? How did that okay, whole thing yeah. play out? So, so that, that's going to, it might take a little bit more time than you think to get to that point, but wait, no, you're so good. Yeah. To what I was explaining before. So with getting, ADOS. It, it's better if you're a lower rank. So if you're a lower, mm-hmm. if you're a lower ranking Marine out there listening to this right now and you're on reserve duty, it, it's best for you to try and get it as a Lance Corporal or PFC because the, obviously the lower rank you are, the less the unit has to pay out for you. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And also yeah. if you're anything less than 30 days, you're not age. If you're anything more than 30 days, uh, you will. Anything more than 90 days, you're going to rate uh, die bill. So what they would do is they would bring me in 89 days at a time, let me off the hook for a week. It was kind of nice because it was like a week of leave, but I would just sell my leave back. I should have taken it thinking now, but I would sell my leave back for them for those 89 days and then just get signed to another 89. And I did that for two years. So after those two years were up, um, I decided, like, I was thinking, like, man, like, I can't forever. I'm going to promote myself out of a job eventually because in those, I picked up corporals. I was an ADOS on, uh, I was on ADOS as a corporal. Um, Roger was still a Lance at the time, and uh, he was actually augmenting to, he was getting assessed into the AR program through PSR that was Mm -hmm. actually stationed at Red Bank. Um, I kind of went a different route because I, I sat down with the staff sergeant and the sergeant that were there and they were like, listen, man, like you have to get a plan for your life. Like this has been great for you and you've gotten great experience and like you have to get a plan for your life. So I did the opposite. I actually, I went back to like full reserve duty and I went back to school because I have, um, I'm a huge car guy and I wanted to work on cars. So I went back to Brookdale and started going through their automotive program and I would just do my whole drill weekend. And I did that for three years. So I I graduated Brookdale after two years and like right at my, I got a job working for a BMW in my hometown. So I started working for a BMW and then I had to start uh, juggling that job with, um, reserve duty which can be difficult at times especially as an nco that's in charge of your own section you you're getting calls you know day and night like having to coordinate things with your marines and it was kind of like i kind of point where i was like man like do i even want to do i even want to do this reserve thing anymore like do i really want to continue being a marine when it's not paying my bills anymore like I need to make a move, but mm-hmm. at the same time, like it's my favorite job I ever had. You know, what yeah. I, mean? 
I, I loved going into work every day, PTing, you know, doing my thing, working out in the motor pool. Like working with Marines was like the best thing I ever did. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I, even if, you know, even if there's guys at work that you don't get along with, you still love being around them. Yeah. Yeah. Or, you know, yeah. A year goes by at BMW and I start realizing like, man, the civilian life isn't for me, man. Like this kind of sucks. Like I hate, like I was working, like my bosses, you know, they were fucking scumbags. So if you don't mind me interrupting you, so here, here, here's the thing, man. I'm actually glad that you brought that up. Right. Because I, I actually made this comment today on my Facebook and I find it. So I find it very funny, you know, because there's so many people who, who like yourself having this thought. So many people are, are in the Marine Corps right now. They're Lance Corporals or maybe Corporals. Nine times out of ten it's Lance Corporals. But they're like, I can't wait to get out. This has been the worst four years of my life. I can't wait to return to the civilian world. And I'm just like, bro, you don't understand that literally it's, no. in my opinion, it's ten times worse than being in the Marine Corps. Like, uh, it's man. not like, yeah, I, I get I get like being in the Marine Corps, people get upset because of being micromanaged or whatever, but they don't understand the simple fact of like, bro, that's just be you being a Lance Corporal. And, the, and yeah. the reason why you're and the reason why you're you're micromanaged is because you have to be you don't allow yourself to peer to peer leadership, you haven't grown. And you and, and you you as a Lance Corporal and Lance Corporals keep effing up. And yeah. you're not taking care of your own shit, and you wonder why you can't have a hot plate in your, you know, in your, in your, <laughs> in your freaking barracks room. No. And yeah. and it's funny because I was talking to a buddy of mine who's going to come up on the podcast. Um, he got meritoriously promoted yesterday to sergeant. And yeah, the the thing that's funny is that in the time that he's taken to get meritoriously promoted to sergeant, there's four or five other people who were poolies at the exact same time with him that are lance corporals. Yeah, and it's like, and it's like, bro, if you would just shut the hell up and just worry about working and pushing yourself and becoming and he, and he, mind you, he's motor T, so you can't even say, oh well, you know, he had a really quickly picking up job. No, 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 he's motor yeah. T, which we right. all know motor T does not pick up quickly. So the idea that he was able to do that and surpass his peers and become meritoriously promoted to sergeant, it's like, and and then I have another guy who got promoted to sergeant yesterday. Um, and he's infantry and, and he did it in four years. So like me and him were just talking about it. And I'm like, bro, like there's so many people who are out there bitching and complaining like, Oh, I can't wait to come back to freehold. Why, why are you excited to come back where you left? Yeah. You literally left freehold borough so you could do something better. And now you're like, nah, bro, I'm gonna come right back to the borough. Why? Yeah. What do you, yeah. what do you think it? What do you think is so beautiful about this place that you left? Like I don't I don't yeah. get it, man. I mean objectively speaking. Yeah. Like yeah, sure. Like being on Pendleton or Quantico or Okinawa or Camp Lejeune can be annoying, right? Like you just want to get away from Marines at certain times. But that but in my opinion, like should do what they want to do. But that's what leave is for. You know what I mean? Like, and, and it sucks because certain, like, it, it just like, you know, all Marine Corps, all Marine Corps experiences are not created equally. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. Like certain Perfect, people, perfectly said, per, certain people just get a shit end of the stick as far as like command climate, the unit that they're attached to, like it is what it is. But I will say this, 
me working on ADOS, working my ass off, doing what I had to do, and just like being the best Lance Corporal mechanic I could be set me up for the rest of my career for success. That two-year span of my career gave me the trajectory that I'm on right now. Mm. So like that facilitated me picking up Corporal meritoriously. That facilitated me being able to go on to the AR program, which I'll get into. But like, you know what I mean? Like if, if you yeah. legitimately try and you care and you don't fall into the, I think the biggest thing too, like with active duty, and, and I can't speak for all of them because I've only been around actual fleet active duty guys for 60 days at a time. You know what I mm-hmm. mean? Like, that's the most. But what I see is every time I go, there's this culture of everyone, like this high school mentality yep. that everyone wants to be too cool to work. Everyone wants mm-hmm. to be too cool for the Marine Corps. And, and, and you know what I mean? Like, in this group of guys that you could get really lucky and they are all go-getters or you could be thrusted into a group that wants to get drunk and like and such a wait man that's why yeah are depressed because they get and everyone of them is drinking making bad choices and they don't want to actually work and do the marine corps shit and then like that command climate goes downhill because people are doing stupid shit. Yo, and you're not wrong because what you're talking about is exactly what I was talking to my boy Sergeant Thompson about because I was talking to him about it. And I'm like, man, it's crazy that you you picked up Sergeant in the infantry world when all you ever hear is, oh, you're going to be a terminal lance forever. And, and the thing yeah. is, is that it's it's like you said, man, you have to choose which crowd of people you're going to chill with because if and you I'm put also- in – not not even that it, it, you have to make the conscious decision of what is more important people liking me in my unit or me progressing in my career and i'm yeah. not saying i'm not saying fuck anyone over i'm not saying that you should be um like trying to one up everybody all i'm saying is you should be focusing on yourself to make the best decisions for yourself to be successful yeah. And people t- like, oh, well, he got there because he's a fucker that is under Gunny's desk all the time or something like that. I I feel like I'm pretty good at juggling between having friends, being integrated within everybody within the unit and actually doing my job. And I think mm-hmm. there's a spot there that like people have a hard time dialing into. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. You should be able to. You should be able to relate to the shitbags just as much as you should be able to relate to the hard chargers. And like a good NCO especially is able to know how to approach certain situations with people where they can get the job done. And mm-hmm. I think that's a that's a big skill. Yeah. It's just, no, hundred yeah, percent. I think I think people don't make that effort to be like, no, I'm gonna take control of like my current situation and just and like, yeah, there's a lot of shit that we do that fucking sucks, man. But th- that's just the nature of the beast. We didn't sign yeah. up to, I didn't sign up to the Marine Corps to have like a fucking cushy ass job. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, even though I kind of do, uh, you know, I'll get into the whole AR thing and how you can have a cushy job sometimes, but mm-hmm. it, it's a give and take, man. And like, you know, 
like I said, like that two years really projected me forward in my career. And like, so yeah, I mean, I mean, it, that's just the way it is, bro. Mm-hmm. But g- getting back to um, my story or whatever. Yeah. Um, so like, dude, I was just having a bad time at this at this car dealership as a mechanic man like they were having me try they were trying to get me to do like illegal stuff like warranty fraud and they're just like just a culture of like bad people you know what i mean mm-hmm. like just yeah. bad people trying to game a system there's mechanics doing warranty fraud left and right just to try and make their time because by the hour of the job and it, it was just I could go on forever about that. And I was just really hating it. My girlfriend at the time, we're no longer together, but like she really pushed me to be like, Hey, like if you pick it, like, I don't want to see you get burnt out and like on this. Like, I'm going to be just like one of those old mechanics at the dealership, just like old and jaded and hates their life. And I kept thinking back to the Marine Corps and how, like how much I like that job and how much, I enjoyed my time. So I, I was still in touch with Roger or whatever. And at the time he was an air wing unit at, um, in Pennsylvania and the AR program. And he's like, yeah, man, like it's a good time. Like I'm just out here doing my thing. So I did a lot of like, um, I would have soul searching, but I, I just did a lot of like, there was a lot of thought that went into it. Like, do I want to stay at home in New Jersey? And like, try and find a job do i want to like change careers or do i want to go back to the marine corps and i decided like i got so the way it happened was i was going on um i went to okinawa for at and i was attached to a company my the bmw dealership had a problem with me going on that at so once i came back my shop foreman was like, I was only there for two days and my shop foreman came up to me and said, you only have 16 hours on the books for this week. And I said, yeah, cause I've worked two days and I work eight hours a day. So I, I made my time there. And basically they, I could see them trying to find a reason to fire me while going around the USERA act. So mm-hmm. they couldn't get sued. So I was kind of just like, I went into my, um, maintenance director's office the service director and i just told him i quit right there like i was just like you know what i'm done like this is over and then i literally called the sergeant on the ini staff sergeant c i think you know who it is yeah yeah yeah. and um he's like what's up man i'm like hey can you get me ados orders and he's like well i was wondering when you were gonna give me a call and it just so (laughs) happened dude yeah it just so happened that he was able to get me orders and it was, they were shit orders. They were only for two weeks at a time, but honestly, bro, like even if I was making less money, I was still happy with going into work. Today, even at Red Bank, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> even so, at Red Bank. <laughs> even at Red Bank. So I, and as soon as I'm us, I started talking to the PSR to get an AR package in. And for those who don't know, like, not everybody can just go AR. You have to be yeah. 21 years of age. You have to, well, back in the, well, I don't, 
it works the same now. I don't really know the JPEG system, but you had to have four, four pros and cons minimum. You cannot have any negative paperwork on you. You have to be in good standing. You have to be first class PFC, PFT, CFT. You have to, you have to check all these boxes. And, and I did. So I was able to get my package together. And because, um, I did so much for the battalion while I was, uh, they put in a recommendation for me to go AR to assess the program. So I got my orders to assess into the program and went to TS company in Providence, uh, of January, 2000. So the AR program, I get there. I'm one of four motor team mechanics there. Um, it was actually the perfect first duty station for, um, the active reserve program. Um, it was good because I was able to get a lot of um, experience while still bouncing things off of my fellow Marines, like ideas and stuff. And, you know, they really like, everyone was like a really tight knit family there. And, I, you know, I haven't experienced a unit like that as far as like I and I staff in a really long time or since I joined Red Bank, they were really tight. But ever since then, I, I hadn't seen anything like this. So it, it was a really good time, you know, like I, I was able to find an apartment out in town because there was no barracks um, and uh, just working every day. And I was able to explore a lot of New England. And it, it was just it's a good opportunity because normally I would have no reason to go to New England. You know what I mean? Like it just took me to somewhere that I never thought I would be, but I ended up enjoying very, very much. Um. I, I met my current girlfriend now and it all just worked out for the best. And That's awesome. Yeah. It was just a really good experience. You know what I mean? Like just, I was able to go, I would go on AT with the reservists. I was able to get my, you know, to get time under my belt and it just going to work every day. I, I'm, I'm, I really enjoyed myself. Um, nice. But yeah. And then after that tour, I reenlisted and I'm currently, um, in an undisclosed location in uh, Texas. So uh, I'm with the division now and um, it's just, you know, I'm, I'm excited to uh, meet all these guys that I work with and like form a relationship with them and see what the division has to offer, you know? Nice, man. <clears throat> um, so here, here's a question for you. Um, the Brookdale situation, I, I yeah. was it, how was the program? Cause I've, I've heard horrible things. The I've automotive heard, program? Yeah. Uh, well. Like, was, did it help you at all? Or do you no, not it think it did? It definitely helped me. But it, I definitely learned a lot because I actually cared about, like, learning about that subject. Mm -hmm. um, and I, and then I went into it knowing a lot about cars and automotive. Um, not, I had a lot of automotive knowledge to begin with. Mm -hmm. But then it just expands. But I've seen, I can see why you got bad reviews. We've seen some people there that they just were there just to be there. Like they were there yeah. because their parents wanted them like to go to school. And they were like, well, I kind of like cars, so I guess I'll do this. But it's like, you know, they didn't really have any drive to like actually graduate and stuff. But I will mm -hmm. say this, like all the teachers really know what they're talking about 
they're very good and and all the labs that you do you actually do learn about stuff and it's bad okay no doubt um so i I think sorry to interrupt you but i think think brookdale is actually really good for because um a lot of these kids man i'll tell you what like I go to school in Brookdale in, in the fall and it's, it's empty during fall semester. And it takes a lot of discipline to fail because you're not, you're living at your parents' house or at home or whatever. You have to drive yourself there. You have to wake up in the morning and decide to go to school. When you're away living in a dorm at school, the only purpose there is to go to school. There's mm-hmm. no, excuses not to but when you're at yeah home and you have a thousand and one things that you can do while you're at home you have to make the active effort to actually go to school i like yeah it, i think it's a i think it's a good school man yeah i my wife went there and I, i've heard good things um so here's a so your time now um uh, my question really would be for you was just you know what do you think you've gained from it um, from being in the Marine Corps now, how long? We're talking ten years. Nine years. Nine years. Wow, man. Yeah. Um, what What do you think you've gained from it? What do you think it's helped you with? You know, do you do you see yourself? You know, you said you just reenlisted, so that's a good thing. Like, yeah. what do you? What does your future look like? What do you think? I mean, so I picked sergeant in July of twenty twenty one. I was a corporal for five years, so a long time. Oof. Yeah, so that's the one thing when you go AR, they reset your time. I've been told, yeah. Yeah, so I was starting at the bottom again, which it wasn't bad, like whatever. I just had a long, like one of those, I was like one of those corporals that the staff sergeants would come to asking asking for help because like, Mm -hmm. I was just like this, I was like a 40-year-old staff sergeant, you know? (laughs) (laughs) It was like, that's old corporals that like, I'm like 26 corporal. But um, I I would say like the Marine Corps gave me the drive to actually accomplish something in life. Like I, I was not the best kid. Like when I was was in high school, I was kind of a shithead, man. Like I just was just like, thank God I found a Marine Corps. And I've seen people, you know what I mean? Like I've, struggle even in the marine corps like people make the bad decisions i just i just feel so lucky you know it gave me the drive to actually do something it, it was the one place that i felt like i belonged you know what i mean like yeah I, I wasn't a popular guy in high school like i had friends or whatever but like you know what i mean like i i felt like i belonged I got mm-hmm. to, went to my like and like this is it you know what i mean like for whatever reason, it just clicked for me. And I feel like it doesn't click for a lot of people. And that's okay, too. But it just feels mm-hmm. right. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, and I, I think, you know, kind of just going back off of what you're talking about is, like, you're right. Is it is it is, is it something that it does click? It either, it either clicks or it doesn't click. And then, or it clicks too late. And yeah. the thing, and then the thing is, is that then it's too late for you to look back and be like, okay, I can't, I, you can't fix it at this point. You know, and I, and then, and really, you know, a good thing you brought up is just the idea that, like, 
I think I think far too long, too many times people like I remember like when I sat down when I was a recruiter and I would sit down with kids and I would just talk to young men and women and I would be like, hey man, why do you why are you doing this? Because I never let people join just to join. I always ask them the question of why. And and I would get people who were mad at me like, bro, not everybody has a why. And I'm like, no, 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 no that's bullshit. And the reason why the reason why I always got down to the nitty gritty is because I never wanted you to join the Marine Corps and then six months to a year later be like, you know, my recruiter lied to me. This isn't the third. No, 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 no. You made a conscious decision to become a Marine because of this, this, and this. These were the reasons in which you said you were going to do it. And this is why, but the problem is, is that far too much people forget why they did it in the beginning. So like people who say, Oh, well, I joined the Marine Corps, you know, for financial stability and to be able to put away money. This is my thing, man, and I, I don't give a shit if you're a reservist who gets BAH on active duty or if you're just a normal Lance Corporal out in the Fleet Marine Corps. If you're out in the Fleet Marine Corps and you can't save money, that has nothing to do with the Marine Corps. Yeah, and I had and I and you. I had and I had this person, this gunny the other day, he put up on his Facebook, you know, we need to we need to, you know, raise the pay in the Marine Corps. And I was like, I understand why you feel that way. But even if you did that, Lance Corporals wouldn't be saving no, more money. They would be throwing be buying Camaros at ex- 13%, ex- exactly. And that's the thing, man. Is like, like, bro. I, and I would sit down with people and I would go over their finances before they joined, and I would show them. I'd be like, listen, man. If you actually put money away and you save money, you can come out of the Marine Corps in four years with you know well over thirty or fifty grand in your savings yeah. account. Yeah, the, for I, sure. but the but the problem is is that you don't want to do it and right uh, now you're gonna say yes to me but when you actually get out there in the marine corps you're gonna start smoking cigarettes you're gonna start drinking alcohol you're yeah. gonna start throwing money away you're gonna buy the phone you don't need you're gonna buy the xbox you don't need you're gonna buy the video games you don't need and you're gonna live a lavish life because it's the first time you've ever seen money and you don't know what it is yeah. to have money and, that, and that's a I feel like that's a systemic issue, man, because, you know, and and I'm all for, like, balance, meaning, like, I've seen, when I went to Okinawa, I met certain Marines that were like, yeah, I never leave the barracks. And I'm like, but you're in a foreign country living here. Exactly. On the Marine Corps. I'm like, you definitely should use that money to explore and, like, have good times. Yeah. Tour Europe. Go around country to country. Yeah, for sure, bro. And like, however, that does not mean blowing your money at the PX on booze every weekend. Yeah, that yeah. doesn't mean acting a fool and just blowing your money just because. Like, you should be consciously spending your money. And yeah. then you have to think about it also, too. Like, this is why I think, like, reservists make good Marines naturally over mm-hmm. time. Mean, think about it this way, like... One of the like two out of four of the first sergeants I had while I've been on AR, the I and I, they had mm-hmm. they had joined when they were eighteen years old. Mm-hmm. They never held a super like a serious super serious career before. Their whole institutionalized within the Marine Corps, and that's not necessarily a bad. However, yeah, mm-hmm. when they're put in front of reservists, they don't understand sometimes the struggle mm-hmm. that people have to deal with and then yeah. they go through their whole career not like being within the marine corps and not understanding how civilian life works yep. which is and and that's a 
that's a big issue because people yeah. get out after eight years or something like that and they're like fucked because mm-hmm. they're used to collecting that check on the first and the 15th yep. anything they've been living paycheck to paycheck because mm-hmm. they have a brand new toyota tundra mm-hmm. and the freshest kicks and then they have to try and find a job and go to school and they're like shit my money doesn't go as far as i yeah bro it's it's so true it's crazy and like reservists are different because like most of the time by the end of their six years they have a serious career either Mm. married with children or about it so it's Mm. like have this perspective person naturally just wouldn't have you know yeah and that that's where it's kind of different with ar too because i get inserted into these ini staffs across the whole Marine Corps Reserve and I meet people who are active duty and like I kind of like there's always this one point of clarity where they realize like this isn't the fleet and I could see mm-hmm. it in their face when they first check in like what the fuck is this like yeah. what is going on this is <laughs> yep. weird and then like the it, and it's hilarious the first time like mm-hmm. I just saw this the other day we had to check like I checked in probably a month after this other guy who's a grunt at my name. He's a okay. um, and, you know, see them like chew ass. And the Lance Corporal was just straight up like, okay, I don't care. And then just like walked away. And like this dude lost his mind. But he doesn't understand. Why would that Lance Corporal, like, you can't talk to reserves that way. Why would that Lance mm-hmm. Corporal care? These drill weekends are not paying his bills. You have to yeah. like, so it's a different approach when you have to. Yeah, it's definitely, reservists. yeah, and that's what that's why, bro. It's uh, I'm glad that we're having this conversation because I've had this conversation so many times with people because people just don't. It's and it's the thing where you'll you'll never be able to explain it to somebody who isn't a reservist because active duty Marines see things one way and reserve, but reservists see things in a different light. Because it's like you said, like we can, for us, like if you're if you're a sergeant, you're chewing me out. And my now, mind you, do I believe? Of course, hundred percent. There has to be a reverence there. Do I believe 100%. that the sergeant? Do I believe 100%. that? Do I believe that the sergeant? You know, had every right to chew somebody out. Yeah, but now, mind you, with growth as a sergeant, as a marine comes realizing that okay, well, not everybody's going to relate to or understand that ass chewing. Um, some, yeah, like exactly, exactly. And now mind you though, maybe your first thing doesn't need to be an ass chewing. Maybe you need to do something before you get to the ass chewing. But as a reservist, it's perfectly like you said, bro, I've met Lance corporals who, when I, like when I got off active duty and I checked back into the reserves, bro, I I met Lance corporals who freaking drive, you know, Audi R8s and make over a hundred K a year. And yeah, literally, and literally, they're and literally, they're fucking lance corporals. It's like, bro, like, like, yeah, you're a sergeant in the Marine Corps, great, cool on you, but guess what? To that dude, you're nobody because you literally, you, you should be yeah. shining his shoes. And that's a and that's why it's right now punching the air because they can't. Yeah, that. But and that's the thing. It's the it's, it's but that's why when when you meet a reservist leader, 
and you meet a revert. Like there's a very fine difference between a reserve sergeant and a reserve staff sergeant, or I mean, I'm sorry, a reserve sergeant versus an active duty sergeant. Yeah. You and I, and I, I don't, I don't mean this. I, I don't mean this in like a derogatory way or any kind of like you know putting you down or saying we're different or one's better than the other, but. When you're indoctrinated into the institution of Marine Corps, you believe wholeheartedly that your rank means something more than it does. You forget that you're a man. You you forget that you're a man who puts on a uniform. You forget that beneath that cami and beneath that rank insignia that there is a man. Um, And you believe that for whatever reason, because you were a sergeant or a staff sergeant, you can talk to whoever you want because of that rank. Um, and it's it's just not the case. And and when you're when you're in the reserve program, and you realize that because you are, you know, you're not, you know, again the, the reverence thing, you know. And I and I say this all the time because on active duty people flip out about it. But I remember, you know, back at Red Bank when I was a lance corporal or corporal, even a sergeant, you know, we we all had billeting in the same in the same hotel, so we would all be in the same hotel and we'd be sitting at the bar and. To your left would be gunnery sergeant so-and-so. And then to his left would be the captain. And we would all, Lance Corporals alike, would be just sitting at the bar having drinks. But at the end of the day, there you still had that respect. And tomorrow morning at, you know, formation, you know, you weren't going to be like, yo, what's good, sir? No, you wouldn't do that because it's a respect no. thing. But you were able to, you know, be respectable in that moment. And no one, no one ever really went out of line. Now, did people do it once in a blue moon and they got checked for it and they got NJP'd for it or something like that? hundred percent. But that's something that could never happen on active duty. You could never never on active duty have, you couldn't, you, I know, but I'm just saying like, you could never on active duty have a hotel room with 10 Lance Corporals, even just we'll, we'll go up minute number of 10 Lance Corporals and 10 Lance Corporals and a, and a captain and a couple of sergeants that like immediately someone's going to go off the wall. Someone's going to say something to somebody and it couldn't happen. But in the reserves, yeah. it's a totally different lifestyle and it's a very different. I, I don't want to say one's more mature than the other, but one has experienced the life outside of the Marine Corps. And due to that, it's a different life. And, you know, and that's why, like, one of the things that I want to do eventually on my podcast is I want to do an episode. I already have one of them lined up, but I want to do an episode with a retired sergeant major um, from active duty. And then I want to do a retired sergeant major from the reserve program just because I want to be able to talk. Because you got to think about it, man. Someone who, again, one's not better than the other, but thinking about someone who, you know, like Sergeant Major McConville or Sergeant Major Shankin. You know, they're two people who spent 30 years in the Marine Corps Reserves and also 30 years in a civilian profession. So they held two major jobs and they held two professions for 30 years, you know, so and that's a very and it's a very different thing. Um, And that's why when people say things like, you know, like, like, listen, bro, I don't care. You can call me a tampon. You can call me a reservist. (laughs) I really don't care. Like, I I welcome that shit um, because I just do your job as a hobby. Um, but the reality of it, the reality of it is, man, is that people get so uptight about it. And they're like, oh, Mar- you know, reserves do one week in the month, bro. You, if you think that, then you just are closed minded and you don't know what the reserve program is because nobody in the reserves is doing anything one week in the month. And that's why, no, like, bro, what? No, definitely. And that's. Same before, even as like 
leader of the even section, as a corporal, bro. Even yeah, as a even corporal. as a corporal, you are answering the phone and calling people, and like you have a child. Conference you have calls. Be, you have to be working. I, I no. Like, yeah, and and it, people who are above you have to are, are understanding. Hopefully, that you have to work as well. So like, just coordinating all that is a huge effort between mm-hmm. everybody working and having to get the mission done. Yeah. And um and and I'm not saying before I'm not saying that you know there shouldn't be any ass chewings from an active duty guy to reservist. I mean by all means, you know me. I get down. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But like there you have to be able to approach people differently. And and also I noticed that when I went to active duty units and I would approach an active duty marine the same way I would approach a reservist they would almost be like double take you really quick. Like you're talking to me. Like you're not calling me useless. Like you actually mm-hmm. talk to me as a person. And then that goes a long way with people. You know what I mean? Like don't be a fucking people pleaser, but at the same time, don't just disrespect people just because you have an ounce of power and you're 22 years old and you never had an ounce of power before. Yeah. I, mean? I, I well, think there, there's a delicate balance between the two. And the- I think, I think a lot of people could learn. Especially even on the active duty side, like especially on the active duty side. Yeah, and that's why, and that's why it sucks too. Because like I was listening to this this podcast today. I'm actually gonna have him on my episode uh, on as a guest, but he was talking about how he got out of the Marine Corps and then dropped right to the reserves. He did about six months in the reserves and then he quit. He just got done. He's like, "Bro, I can't do this." And and that's the thing, man, is that people just. You leave active duty and you expect this one thing and it's like, bro, you got to just give yourself time to realize that it's yeah. two different worlds, man. And and again, you have to just come at it, you know, even bro, I got off of four years of active duty. I was a staff sergeant and I went back to the Red Bank and I literally when I introduced myself to all of the Marines, PFC, Lance Corporal and higher, I literally was like, listen, I have been out of my MOS for four years. There's probably a lot of things that have changed and I haven't done a convoy or anything in four years. So don't ask me about this. I will get you the answer. But I was like, I'm going to more so be following you because you just got out of school and you're a corporal and you just got, you know, this school and this school and this school. And I need you guys to just kind of give me, you know, anything that's changed, anything, you know, that I need to know, I'm going to ask you and, you know, I'm going to be here to learn right beside you. And together we're going to grow because at the end of the day, bro, like I'm not going to lie before I, you know, went off to recruiting duty. I wasn't the best motor T operator either. Um, But I'm one of the people, um, I'm one of those people that can, you know, learn from corrective criticism and wants to be better. Um, but that yeah. was the thing is I came, I came into the unit and I immediately explained that, like, listen, guys, like I'm not the type of person who's going to be like, Hey, my end will be all, because guess what? I've been gone for four years. Um, and I need also, to take some time to get back into it. Th- there's more. Th- th- I'd like to just put this out there. There's more to being an NCO than just, or even a staff NCO. There's more to being a staff NCO than having MOS knowledge or like being able to fucking run up a muster or a morning report. You know yeah. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like there's certain, like, you know, uh, this one staff sergeant, big African guy, his name mm-hmm. starts with double S. You know who I'm talking about? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so he was at TS Company for the longest time. He was he was a fucking triple OG, bro. You know, I'm pretty sure you deployed with him. Yeah. No, so he 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 took over for us. Um, oh, okay. When so we he left, you. yeah, he relieved us. Yep. Okay, so when I was on the INI staff, me and him were very close. Like anytime he had a problem or he had a question related to Motor T or wherever something was or if the status of a truck, he would come to me, and we had a good relationship. Now, does that mean that it, it's just just because we had a good relationship, I still kept it professional with him? But the rest of my INI staff, people would just disrespect him. Like, oh, well, he's fucking useless. And I'm like, no, he's not fucking useless. Because I would watch him, and the way he was a, he was, number one, he's an amazing storyteller, has great stories from deployment and from real life as well. And he had this way about approaching a Lance Corporal or a PFC. And motivating them and taking them under his wing and really like caring about the Marine Corps. You know what I mean? So like I saw mm. that value within him that other people were too ignorant or didn't care to, to see. You know what I mean? He played an integral part of that unit by being number one a morale booster, but also being like a stress reducer as well. Mm-hmm. He was able to shoot the shit with all of his Marines. He was very good at gathering up all the Marines and getting people to smile and laugh. And I feel like mm-hmm. that's very slept on. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that's well, super, and it's, it's, that's super, you know? Yeah. And it's funny that you bring that up because I, 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 I tell this story all the time because I find it hilarious. So, um, one of my, one of my buddies, right. So very long story short, but, um, I, I was on recruiting duty and I was at Monmouth for two years and then all of a sudden, the CEO is like, hey, you're going to switch offices and you can go to Middlesex. And I was like, okay, um, sounds good. And he was like, tomorrow. And I was like, oh. Um, so, yeah, he's <laughs> like, tomorrow. And I was like, oh. Now, mind you, there was this recruiter there. Um, one of the recruiters there was one of my best friends, still is, um, Gonzo. And then this other guy, Gary, who was a, who was was um, he was a pulley at Monmouth and now is the staff sergeant in the Marine Corps. Um, That's funny. And um, yeah, so I knew him as a pulley. And now I'm working alongside him, trying to teach him some shit. And um, then there was this guy Ramos. And um, so one night we're hanging out, and we we go out, and uh, we went to the bar. Like work is done, we change over, we get out of uniform, and we go over to there's an outback like in inside the plaza. So we all change right. over, and work is done, and we go over to the outback. And uh, we have a couple of drinks and um, we're sitting at the bar and I'm talking to Ramos and I don't remember how the conversation started, but he, he pretty much looks at me and goes, bro, you're a fucking shitty leader because you're a reservist. And I was like, (laughs) and again, I don't, I remember, I don't remember where the conversation came up. Right. And I just look at him and I I was pretty, I wasn't drunk, but I had a couple of beers in me and, um, I look at him with the other two active duty Marines behind me and they both know me very well. And I looked at him and I was like, Hmm, I was like, I'm not a good leader. He goes, no, you're not a good leader. And I was like, well, why am I not a good leader? And he goes, well, cause you're a reservist. You don't have the, you haven't had the time in the Marine Corps to be a good leader. It's just not possible. And I was like, okay. So then I look over at him and I go, Hey, I was like, Hey Ramos. He goes, what's up, man? I was like, what time is it? And he goes, Oh, it's like 11. 
I was like, hey, what time did your boss go home today? And he goes, oh, he he left at like like noon, like one o'clock. I was like, so he's he's been gone for like 10 hours and he's sitting at home with his family. Where's your family, Ramos? He's like, they're at home. I was like, oh, and, and where am I? I was like, Ramos, where am I right now? He was like, you're here with us. And I was like, oh, but your active duty gunny is home with his family, but you're at work. Hmm. Yeah. I was like, I was like, so that's I was like, so that's the leadership that you want me to have? And then he just looks at me and doesn't say anything. And he just that was it. And then about a month or so later, I get promoted to staff sergeant. And at my promotion ceremony, he comes walking up to me and he gives me a huge hug and he goes, Man, I just want you to know I'm really sorry. And I was like, I was like, why? He was like, I remember that night and what I said to you. And he was like, in the past two months that you've been in this office, he's like, you completely, utterly changed the entire world that we live in. And just being around you has changed all of our ways of thinking. And you've trained us a lot. And he was just like, I apologize for what I said. And wow. I was, and, him, and, yeah. And now, and now me and him, yeah. And now me and him are freaking boys. Like I've talked to him all the time. But and that's the thing, man. And I tell the reason why I bring that story up to anybody who's listening is just that people, for some reason, it's it's the it's it's the institution, it's the it's indoctrinized that reservists are shitbags, reservists can't leave because they only do it one week in the month, or it's like like the it's like the infantry guys. Oh, everybody else is pokes. This is just something that someone started, and then all of a sudden everyone yeah. takes it as it believe. It's everyone believes well, the, it because well, it's someone said it. it. Like it's fucking envy. Like mm-hmm. they're able to be a well, I was, but like you're able to be a marine at the same time as having a normal job in your own with your children and your wife, and you could pretty much do whatever the fuck you want for twenty eight days a month, give or take. I mean, granted, like you're not out there fucking ripping blunts, but you you get what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> You know what I mean? Like they're just thinking yeah. about all of it. You know, it's kind of it, it's envy, but it's also like they have a certain pride about them, which is also good too. Yeah. I don't but, know, man. Uh, I, I, the, I the think... dynamic, the dynamic wherever I go also changes. Yeah, you know very I mean? true. Like you I go think and a visit huge an active duty unit, and you usually change their mind. Yeah, I think a huge part of it, just, and this is anybody in any point in life, it's just being humbled. You know, and that's what it, a huge part of it is just hubris and, and people just, for whatever reason, believing they're better than they are and, and believe and allowing this title to get, you know, you know, to, to, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with pride or anything like that. I'm just saying that like being hubris, having hubris and stuff like that is just, you got to calm down um, because, you know, a huge part of it. And I said this to somebody the other day and they kind of got mad at me and I don't mean this again in any kind of disrespectful way, but when you retire or you get out of the Marine Corps, nobody cares. No Not one cares. <laughs> like, yeah, they'll ask questions about like, oh, like your time or, you know, when you tell them you have a veteran's preference or whatever. Like, yeah, they'll ask questions. But like no one cares that you retired as a sergeant major because they don't even know what that is. And and at that moment, like if your biggest hard on is because someone didn't say good morning to you then good luck when you get out of the military, bro. Like when you, when you get out of the military, like, dude, I get in trouble. Like, cause I'm still indoctrinated into that. So like, I, I still have that part of me where I literally say good morning to everybody that I say hi to, like my boss. I'm like, Hey, good morning, Warren. And she immediately is like, Doug, 
Doug, I know it's 8 a.m. I don't need you to remind me. And I also don't need you to tell me good morning <laughs> every day. She's like, just get to whatever point it is. Just tell me what it is you need. And that's it. She's like, you don't that have to call like me. Sunshine. Yeah, right. But and that's the thing is like and, and all the jobs that I've had outside of the Marine Corps, it's a different world. People are like, listen, bro, yeah. I'm really glad I'm li- listen, man, I'm glad that I passed you 10 times and you've told me good morning each time I've passed you. But you could have just gone with one. Like, you're good. Yeah. I'm not I'm not going to belittle you because you didn't say good morning to me, you know, or or because you didn't hold the door for me. You know, and, and again, it's it's I'm not saying these are things that are wrong, but sometimes the things that people are so focused on are the things that we don't need to focus on. Yeah, I agree. Like there's there's a lot of other things going wrong in the Marine Corps than someone not saying good morning to you. Like there's yeah. probably a thousand other things like that you could have dealt with today. Suicide, alcoholism, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I don't know. There, there's a lot of things that, you know, I, I in my change by doing that but it's hard to being a you know what i mean i'm sure there's a Mm -hmm. sure there's a lot that goes into it but yeah 100 percent. there's certain that can definitely be better like especially like issues like base housing you know family relations things like that Mm -hmm. but I, i think a problem is that I think a huge problem is, is that like before now, you know, now it's all over Facebook and social media and stuff like that, but people just don't say anything. I feel like a lot of people just complain about it, but they don't bring it up to anybody. And it's, and then now mind you, now mind you, I'm not saying that people are blind to it because we do do field day inspections and stuff like that. But a lot of the problem is, is that, and this is just me speaking. I don't know that this is even something that makes sense, but in my head, it makes sense, right? Everybody wants to change something, but they only stay in for four years. Yeah, yeah. Like everyone's yeah. like, bro, this is a travesty. And then yeah. all of a sudden it's like, okay, well, you you all got out at four years. So how did you ever expect for it to stay? If only one person stays to become a sergeant major, how did you ever expect that one guy to be the guy to change the whole the Marine Corps? My previous sergeant, uh, my first sergeant, actually, um, he would always say whenever like, he would have to like because you know as a first sergeant you're going to be put in situations that you don't agree with something but you have to enforce it or you have to make your marines do something and he always used to say like either you can promote and change the marine corps to how you want it to be or you could shut the fuck up and do what i do you know yeah. what i mean like and he would say that when he wasn't asking any uh, any crazy of us but it's just it goes and i think that's a good that's a good thing to say you know it's smart yeah no because you have you and this something that i was talking to somebody else about um a staff sergeant and i'm gonna have her on the podcast and it's gonna be the topic of discussion but you know it's a huge part of it that the marine corps is surrounded by toxic people um and and people who literally like you said you know actually really funny i don't want to say funny story but so the other day i had to um I needed some work done on my house for my HVAC system. So I had outside of my house, I have a Marine Corps flag and the guy who came, the guy who came from AJ Perry um, showed up. And of course he, you know, Hey man, you're a Marine. I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm currently a Marine. And uh, I start talking about my podcast and stuff. Um, 
because he asked me like because he brought he went upstairs into my where the where the the air conditioning wasn't working and he was like oh you have a podcast I was like I do and he was like oh what's it about and I told him you know whatever and I was like well one of the main things we're talking about on the show is alcoholism and he was like really I was like yeah why I was like you have any experience with that Marine and he looks at me and he goes bro do you want to know what happened to me the day that I checked into the Marine Corps <laughs> like I was like sure of course I do what happened bro and he goes dude so I get I get out of MC I get out of I get out of SOI and um I check in I do my check-in and I uh, go to my barracks room and I walk into my barracks room and there's these I th- th- these four NCOs and senior Lance Corporals and they have a stack of 20. He's like, this is back in 1993, I think it was. He goes, there was a stack. He goes, there was a stack of Playboy magazines and Magnum and Maxim and all those cool ones. And he goes, <laughs> and then there was a 30 rack of beer and they told me that I couldn't leave the room until I've looked through every single one of those magazines. And until I literally had jerked off beyond relief and I couldn't go any further. And then they told me that I had to drink every ounce of beer and I couldn't leave the room until I did so. And now mind you, he's like, I'm a PFC and I'm underage. I'm 18 years. He's like, I'm 18 years old and I don't know anything. And I'm like, okay, well, these are the guys that are entrusted to me. And this is why they joined the infantry. And this is what I need to do. And this is, like I said, back in 1993, I'm three years old. You're just being born. And um, then he says, oh, and you want to know the funny thing? I was like, what's that? And he goes, I had to meet the sergeant major the next day. And I was like, what? And he's like, oh, yeah. So, so he's like, I stayed up all night. He's like, I drank every ounce of beer. I faced a 30-pack of beer to my face. And I put my alphas back on. And mind you, and he said to him, he said to these Lance Corporals or Corporals, I don't remember what he said, but he said to them, he said, you know, I, I don't even know where my alphas are. They're still in my bags. I haven't even ironed them yet. And they were like, oh, don't worry about it. You'll be good. So this dude had to wake up. He didn't, he never fell asleep. He got extremely, extremely drunk, ended up passing out, wake, woke up real quick, put his uniform on. And luckily the Sergeant Major never wanted to speak to him. But oh he, but, and then he, he went on to tell me like more stories about it. And he was like, and then he ended up getting, um, I get, he was a corporal years later and he ended up getting NJP'd for, he was, he was of age and he was out drinking, but he was drinking with other people and he ended up getting NJP'd. And apparently from what he was telling me was that the NJP read that he allowed himself to get drunk. So he got he initially got NJP'd for not stopping himself from being drunk in front of other Marines because he was an NCO. And it was like and 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 the reason why I just bring this up is just because like you said, man, like you join and then you're 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 thrown into this group of people that you don't have a choice of being around. And now you have to be around them because they are, you know, you want to be accepted. Exactly. You're, you know, you have that fear of not being accepted and you're not going to go rat them out or whatever it is. And then all of a sudden this becomes, you know, just and, and that's the thing, man, is and this is to anybody out there who's currently in the Marine Corps. Like, bro, if you're listening to this and you're that toxic, dude, just stop being that guy. Like, walk away <laughs> yeah. from it and be Don't better, be you know, like because you're you're screwing somebody just just because it, someone did it to you. And, you know, you can call it history or you can call it freaking camaraderie or whatever tradition you want to call it. Bro, the reality of it is, is this is why there's people who never get past the rank of Lance Corporal 
And <clears throat> if that's you, bro, you know, if you do have some crazy story, I would love to hear it. But nine times out of ten, anybody that I've ever met that has never gotten past a Lance Corporal was a fucking shitbag. Like, yeah. that's just, 100%. that's the reality of it, bro. I've never met anybody who hasn't gone past Lance Corporal who wasn't a shitbag. Like, bro, you've got four years to make it up, bro. If you're not getting out of the Marine Corps as at least a corporal or a sergeant, then there's something wrong with you, man. It's not the institution. Yeah, 100%. I mean, as if you don't pick up corporal. Yeah, nobody's just getting, like, <laughs> everyone likes to say the Marine Corps fucked me, but they never like to explain why. Truth. Yep. Bro, it's, it's so true, man. And I say that all the time because that's the reality of it, man. Like, you know, like, like O'Connor. You know, yeah, for, and, for like, and we uh, had that me conversation, and me boys, and him. Bro. Me and him were boys in high school. We joined together uh, mm-hmm. during boot camp. Um, we used to hang out at church and we saw each other all the time. And then, you know, we, you know, he, he went off to Hawaii after graduated MOS school. And it is what it is. But I remember listening to that podcast. That was actually the first time I listened to your podcast because, you know, that's my boy. And we were like really good friends. And, um, you know, I remember he mentioned uh, when he checked into MOS school, that was a problem. And I remember, like, I was the TAC, bef- uh, I guess, sooner than him. Meaning, mm-hmm. like, he was the TAC after me. So I was 2-TAC 13. He was 3-TAC 13. And I just remember, like, his class was full of shitheads. And they would get fucked up in the barracks all the time. And that's when he really said, like, his alcoholism really started and you know what I mean? Like, I remember like I would try and, you know, hang out with him on the weekends and sometimes he'd hang out with them. And I just was waiting for him to get in JP or something, you know what I mean? But, Mm -hmm. you know, and unfortunately ended up happening, but yo, I'm so proud of him. Like he's come, Matt, if you're listening to this, I'm fucking proud of you, bro. Like he's come such a long way with like accepting the reality of his actions and like accepting what he's done whereas before he you know i talked to him about it and he was he wouldn't like to talk about it and like i remember like i, I didn't even know what really happened but i was you know I yeah was there for him like after. yeah but then he kind of and that's for a while when he yeah yeah and that's the thing visions. and like you just said man like once once he he reached out to me to even come on the podcast he's one of my very first episodes um and it was just a an amazing experience to be able to talk to somebody. And and now me and him talk all the time. I actually have him come over like once a week um, just to have like different episodes that we just haven't dropped yet. But it's just, you know, the idea that somebody who was that person, Oh, after Marine Corps, the Marine Corps after me and didn't tell anybody the story and just kind of left it at that. And now all of a sudden years later, he's like, no, 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 it wasn't, it wasn't the Marine Corps. It it was me, Yeah, you know, and for him to be able and for him to be able to be a man about that and, you know, and, and things are what Bro, they there, are, and, and things 60, happen. There's sixty year old Marines like, oh, that got yeah. kicked out there, out there right now. <laughs> there's one dude out there right now, crusty as fuck, at a bar saying the Marine Corps fucked me, and he yep. never came to the reality of the situation. And he's, you know, he's a year younger than me. Um, he was young for the grade, but we graduated together anyway. He came to that reality, and like, yeah. you know what I mean. A lot of people don't. Yeah, and now he's better for it, man. He's doing good things. For sure, and, dude. For sure. You know, it's it's awesome to hear that. Um, 
So yeah, man. Well, Do you have well, any this... other like questions about like the AR program? I feel um, like I kind of have because I'm the first guy from the AR program on the podcast. Yeah, you like, are. I can get um, some insight. What? To it. So my question to you really would just be, what is the so what is your so so what is your purpose? Because I understand okay, yeah. that, that when you when you have like when you have an INI duty, it's mixed up of people who are AR and then people who are actual active duty. So right. what's the difference between and like why is there even an AR component? And also, it's for to my understanding, the AR component is very small as well, right? Yeah, it's it's extremely small. So there's two thousand of us. Well, there's two thousand max, meaning there can only be two thousand at a time. That was set in into place by Congress. I forget when, but essentially so there's 2000 of us in the marine corps that are ar component um we are the bridge between the reserves and act and active duty so every ini first sergeant every ini well i don't know if about every ini but every INI first sergeant is active duty so we kind of give the it's good because we kind of give the perspective about like what the reserves are how to go about being a reservist at a reserve unit, essentially, we're the bridge between the active duty guys on the INI staff and the reserves as part of the reserve command. So, essentially, there's different like uh, billets throughout the country, CONUS, and there's a couple of O CONUS for a certain like supply and act um, stationed at where essentially you are there to train the reservists. That's your your only job is to facilitate and train the reservists. That means getting everything staged for them or assisting them whenever they need um, a uh, whenever they need MOS knowledge, things like that. So it, it's it's an integral part of the reserves, in my opinion, um, because the active duty guys would just get to the well. Not only that. They would. They do. They get to the reserve units and they're like, what the fuck is going on? So it's good to have those AR guys there to really bridge the gap. And um, essentially, we work every day, um, like regular active duty times, the PT every day, just like a regular unit. And um, we just facilitate the training, whether that be getting the trucks ready getting the weapon systems ready, planning out where we're going to go during drills, over for drill, things like that. Okay, no doubt. So you're just kind of like, you're just like the right-hand man and to kind of just give the, the that bridge between the two. Exactly. And then certain billets that you go to in the AR program are integrated and non-integrated, meaning that, um, like right now, technically, I'm non-integrated, meaning that if the reserve uh, component deployed, I would not deploy. But certain like other units that you go to, like my last unit, I was actually non-integrated as well. But two AR Marines in the, yeah, two AR Marines um, in that unit were integrated. So if they deploy, they're going to. So it varies based on where you're at. And some some reserve units that have an INI staff, some of them don't have uh, active reserve uh, motor T guys. Or some of them won't have active reserve admin clerks. It's all dependent on where the Marine Corps wants to place them. Gotcha, gotcha. 
And most of the time, it's more responsibility because if you're if you're a, a reservist out there thinking about going AR, it's not a walk in the park. You need to have good MLS knowledge. And like right now, in the division unit that I'm part of, I'm the only mechanic. I have to uh, do all the administrative work for the motor T section, and I have to do all of the actual physical work, at, you know, in the shop. So it's not it's not an easy job. You have a lot of responsibility, but it'll make you better for it. Yeah, no doubt, man. Um, so I don't have any other questions really. Um, I, I think I kind of got you know a lot of a lot of knowledge um, and a lot of understanding from you. So I just kind of want to, number one, just thank you for, you know, reaching out to me. Thank you for coming on the podcast. Um, if I do have any questions, um, what I'm having people do is just kind of email me, text me or anything like that. And then if I can, at some point, you know, I'll have you back on to do kind of like a Q and a from those questions that I've gotten. Um, yeah, just, sure. you know, just because it's, it's good for people to, you know, to, to have these conversations because a lot of active duty Marines um, don't know about the AR program at all. So yeah, they don't really know. Yeah. They don't really, they don't really know how to explain it, especially when they get on recruiting duty. They don't really know how to talk about the reserve program. They don't know how to talk about the ins and outs of it. So, you know, episodes like this kind of give them that ability to help them out um, and, and give them something to, you know, Hey, go listen to this podcast or whatever it is. Um, yeah. and just give more knowledge out there to people. So I, I really appreciate you coming out, man. And, and thank yeah, you no so worries, much for, thank you for having me. Yeah, definitely, bro. I'll talk to you. Um, whenever you're back out here, man, let me know when you're back in Jersey and we'll get a, we'll get a beer. Hell yeah. All right. Thanks a lot, man. Right, I bro. appreciate you. All right. Peace out.